Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is season two of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. And this is Make Good Mondays. This is episode six of it. And the funny part about Make Good Monday this week is much like Fantasy Football Friday, it's on a different day. It's actually on Tuesday. Why? Because again, times life gets in the way and you gotta do certain things when you can, but I like doing the show. I like trying to develop some level of consistency with it so I can keep it moving through the season as I settle into my situation and position. For those of you all who are new to the podcast, um, I'll be all over the place in some respects, but try to keep it to the particulars of what the podcast is about. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. We'll start there for football related content throughout the week. Just random stuff that I like to come off the top with is an interesting place. And that's at CJ Florida nine. My handle is at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. <clears throat> so make good Mondays. What is that? Well, that's where I try to make good on what I said the week prior. Generally, we uh, don't in our industry revisit what we tell you too often after the fact, unless it's something really good. Well, I like to do it each week to just try to get things back in the groove and make sure that I'm uh, doing some things for you in a positive light and not as much negative. Um, cause that's when you're winning money for the rest of the shows, just a quick blurb and overview weeks, I Wednesdays. That's where I'm a little more of a freestyler. I get to talk about different topics in the NFL as well as even the college football ranks turf talk Thursday. That's where make good Monday comes to fruition. It's just me talking about the upcoming slate of games for that week. Me covering fantasy football for Thursdays because if I did it on the next show that I'm going to talk about, then you wouldn't get the information in time. And then that's why Make Good Mondays exist so I can kind of come back and revisit what I said. And then there's Fantasy Football Fridays, kind of self-explanatory, but I'll go more into it. It's basically just me ranking people each week uh, in different positions. And then the last couple of shows I've done something a little bit different. So feel free to jump into those. I talk about different things, including kind of the half-season awards. And then the last one that just happened yesterday, technically, I discussed different things about, you know, trade etiquette. Um, Don't be an a-hole. And also just uh, some things you want to target and look out for as you move into the playoff chase. Okay. Always be mindful if you got the chance to be in a playoffs in fantasy football to look to the playoffs and make some decisions on that as well. But we're going to get into this Make Good Monday. So I'm going to talk about the week. 10 slated games that just passed. You had several teams off that were on a bye. It was the Bengals, the Jets, the Patriots, and Ravens. That is in alphabetical order with no deference or preference to any specific team. All right, so I'm going to get into the scores and the discussions on each game, but there's something that I'm going to do differently. I've been making up random numbers each week. What does that mean? Weeks 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, etc. did not have the same matching number each week, right? So, what I'm going to do is I will come up with a number value, whether it's, let's say, 250 came to mind as far as the points to give out or for the over-unders and the uh, <clears throat> and the uh, lines. I'll start up putting five as a value on each thing so that, you know, each week it can change, but it's because I have X amount of units per game, so 10 units per game. And I can spread them out throughout all the games as much as I want to. So I'll figure that out because what I've noticed is that I've been under more than I've been over. But when I look at the points, they differ so much that like if you were doing a real confidence pool with like uh, 
March Madness or really, really for bowl games, what you would do is you'd put 32 on the most confident points and you put one on the least confident. But everyone and every week has the same or similar amount of points. That makes sense. So anyway, a um, couple of things. The team that I've been, and this is one thing that I noticed and I go, holy crap. The team that I've been the worst on this year, and it kind of speaks to their dysfunction, is the Las Vegas Raiders. I have been so far off on them all year long. When I think they're going to win, they're going to lose. But I put a lot of confidence, including this week, some of their situations, and they're just, they're a mess. Uh, For those of you all who actually think, because I am a Saints fan, that I am probably bad on them, funny part This happens with the teams that I support because I try to be as realistic as possible about football and try not to let my fandom get in the way. But as anyone that exists on this planet, I do have biases. I just try really, really hard, uh, especially when I'm talking about them, to try to eliminate my emotions in most circumstances. I'm actually pretty good uh, on the Saints. There's very few teams that I'm better on predicting their success and the one that I'm good on predicting their success is a team that is consistent, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Look at the, the personalities of the three teams that I just told you about. When you have a helter skelter situation where there's talent, but there's also just some bad juju going on, it creates inconsistency and breeds that. That's the team I'm worst on predicting this year from the confidence scores. Then you have good juju. Um, it's not a coincidence when teams continuously win close games. Okay, And they've done it in Nashville for the better part of a half a decade. They've been doing this for three or four years in a row where Mike Vrabel, who is a damn good person, as far as I know, uh, the people who I know who come in contact with him, and that team just has something about them where they're a unit. That breeds consistency. Funny that, again, I have virtually no skin in the game with them. I'm the best at, like, that's the team I'm best at predicting. (laughs) It's hilarious. And the team that I follow, but I try to remove my bias as much as possible, is one that I'm pretty damn good on. I'm not as good as the Titans, but I'm good on how I predict the Saints. Um, take that take that Raiders game out of it, and they're one of my top three uh, as far as prediction, getting it right. But anyway, we had a game this past Thursday played in Charlotte, North Carolina. It had some wicked uh, weather. Uh, wasn't pleasant to be outside during that time frame. And it was the Carolina Panthers hosting the Atlanta Falcons in what was a game for first place. And I even said this on last show, the Falcons should win this division. I've said this for the last couple of weeks, should win this division. But the Falcons gone Falcon and the Falcons Falconed in this game for the second straight week. They get pretty much manhandled by the, the Carolina Panthers and Marcus Mariota lost his damn mind. I had no clue what Mariota was out there doing. I made a comment that I'm not going to make on here because he is a damn good person, but I made it in a group. That wasn't, I don't know what that was, what that guy was. <laughs> like, I have no clue. He threw an interception from his butt where he didn't even see anything. He just threw it over his head. I. It was bad, but the Falcons as a whole just don't didn't look good in this game. They've looked pretty good this season. And Arthur Smith is doing the job he wants to do. They're a 500 caliber team. Um, and that's what they're playing this year. They're, they're they're pretty much there. It's just, they're just not that team that can win. And as far as the Panthers, remember I said good juju, even if it's temporary, Steve Wilkes has those guys believing. And the only time that they've really lost games slash looked inept was the first one where they also played the Rams at the Rams. 
Besides that, they've won games against the Bucks. They won a game against the Falcons. They basically beat the Falcons twice. And they've looked like a competent football team for the most parts, for all intents and purposes. And yes, they looked bad against the Cincinnati Bengals, but the Cincinnati Bengals, Carolina shouldn't have been in that game with them. And they never were. All right. So getting to the points, I had 24 to 21. I had the Panthers winning. They won 25 to 15. That did a couple of different things. What it did is, A, Panthers covered because the Falcons were favored by two and a half. So I got four points, but I lost five points because the Falcons couldn't score anything. Uh, missed out on the over-under by one and a half points. So I got minus one on that. <clears throat> there was a game played overseas, and it's best to say the international game now because not even all of them will be overseas. There is a game coming up this Monday that's going to be in Mexico. I believe that it's going to be 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. I'm assuming because of how things are set up that the Cardinals are the home team on that one. Uh, but anyway... This game was played in Munich, Germany. Um, It was a weird game for me to watch, to be candid. I woke up, uh, almost didn't expect to get up that early because I had a late night, and I woke up, and I was fine with it, and watched that game, and it was a tale of... That game almost felt like watching the new upstart team in the Super Bowl play against the team they're favored against, or that that they've... That all the metrics say should they should beat in the Super Bowl, but they're grizzled veterans. And all of a sudden the line comes out and you're like, why are the grizzled veterans favored here? Or the line comes out and all of a sudden the money from the Sharps get dumped on the grizzled veterans. Basically, I'm driving at this. In the first half, I've said this and I'll clean it up. Geno Smith looked like a bum in the first half compared to how he's looked all season. And Geno Smith is basically Kirk Cousins. You're going to get what you get from him, but if you expect too much, you're not going to get that. He's not bad by any means, but he's also not great by any means. They'll have great moments, some bad moments. That was a bad moment in the first half. It almost looked like they needed all of them, but your quarterback is going to probably lead you. That whole Seattle team looked shook. It will almost look like, again, they're playing in the biggest game that they have, the Super Bowl of sorts, and it got to them. And then when they realized in the second half that they were good at football, they started playing football. And actually, I'll play the Bucs in the second half, in my opinion. First half, Bucks gave them the business. Bucks showed who they were. They were flying around. They were doing all sorts of stuff. Second half didn't look quite as good. Um, but, and also, I don't even, you know what? I don't even want to talk about that Brady play. That was stupid. Um, you know, I do want to talk about it. Please stop. Please stop saying that for some damn reason, that you were silly enough, and I don't even care if Byron Leftwich came out and said, yeah, I called that play because I thought it was a good idea. No the hell he didn't, because that man's not stupid. Don Brady called that play. Y'all, stop being idiots. At no point in time is that a play that you call in a game like that when you need a must win. That's a, that's a play that you call is a celebratory thing. So guess what? Tom Brady might be in a hey look at me moment right now. There's a lot going on around Tom Brady. I'll leave it at that. So, for you all in the media, national media, who really want to try to lambaste and fire Brian Leftwich, A, you probably already wanted him fired for multiple reasons, and uh, maybe football isn't the one. You just thought someone else could do better. And B, you really, using your big brain, think that that was what went down. Yikes. Yikes, 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 Anyway, the Bucs won uh, 21 to 16. I thought the Seahawks were going to win. I had them winning 24 to 17. I really thought that 
the way that this game matched up, the Seahawks played their game, they would win. And guess what? The Seahawks didn't play their game. They started to panic. Guess who didn't panic? The Bucks. You know when the Bucks started to look more like they've looked the whole time when Seattle stopped panicking? And it looked like an even game from there. But you're not going to come back on a team that didn't fluster or blink in the Bucks. They're good enough to win in a game like that when they get a freaking 14-3 lead. But also, Seahawks showed that they got something to them. They were able to make the comeback. They almost got back in the game and got the W. Um... I had the Seahawks covering, so I had a confidence level of seven. The Bucks covered clearly, uh, so that's minus seven. But the under did hit 44 and a half. I felt like it was going to be kind of a more defensive laden game than uh, that 44 and a half, which has been kind of a that's above the average um, this year. Been a really low scoring year, to be honest. All right, so negative three on the on the 9:38 uh, a.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Let's get into the one one o'clock slate. I'm kind of run through these. I'll start off with my own team, the New Orleans Saints. What I got right? I legitimately thought the Saints could win 19 to 17. I thought that Andy Dalton would competently move the football down the field, not take too many chances, and they would get in field goal range for a field goal type situation. That's why they went 19-17, and I thought the defense would tackle better. Well, the defense wasn't horrible. Kudos. Andy Dalton wasn't horrible for the whole game. At this stage, I feel like... At this stage, to be honest, I don't I don't have anything positive to say about Dennis Allen or any of the coaching staff. I don't want to say anything negative about them because I don't know them as people, but Dennis Allen feels very entitled in a bad way. Um, I have nothing to prove that other than I'm just watching how badly managed the game is with you as the coach. And it's really difficult to bring back up what you did with the Raiders, except it exists. And this team looks... And I wasn't the only one saying that they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster in some respects, right? Other... People who were respecting the media. It wasn't me just being a homer. I've picked the Saints to miss the playoffs last freaking year, folks. Duh. I had them going 9-8 and eight and missing the playoffs. So I'm not just a homer. I try my best to be a rational, reasonable person. And looking at how they looked last year and then some of the additions they had, I thought that they would be good this year. Other people in the media who were on national TV thought very much the same. But... What really bothers me about this, because when I'm going to talk about the Saints, I feel like doing it, I'm going to talk about them. Andy Dalton was brought in because he's not a gunslinger, that he's supposed to just make the offense kind of flow and function. You know what Andy Dalton has gotten to the last couple of weeks, but especially this week? Andy Dalton has turned into a quarterback that knows in this system with how it's designed, that is screwed up, that is broken. Because they ran the Andy Dalton slash old Drew Brees offense for Andy Dalton early on. Now they've tried to go away from some of that stuff because teams are keying on it. And they've shifted. Andy Dalton can't do what Jameis Winston can do. So if Andy Dalton, if you're going to have to push the ball down the field and do stuff like that, you might as well do the following. Because again, you don't have your first round pick. You have to see if Jameis Winston, which at this stage, he's not your guy. So that is out the t- off the table. Because we know Andy Dalton's not your guy. Let's go ahead and be honest. Due to age, if they're the same age, give the job to Dalton. They're not. So you know Dalton's not your future. 
Could Jameis have been? Sure. But now, he's not your future. But you need to give this team a chance to win because you don't get the benefit of the losses because you made some terrible trades, including it just pisses me off that if you weren't going to re-sign C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which even if he was being kind of a, a clown in the locker room, you already knew that. You've met the guy. Number two, you didn't make a decision not to pay him just because of the clown behavior. You knew you weren't going to pay him because you don't have the cap to pay a safety like that, especially one that has their own issues in the locker room. Cool, 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 cool. Gotcha. Why wasn't he part of the trade package and you get to keep your first round pick next year just in case you stunk, which you do. So you can have a top, you know, five or so pick, which you don't because you like to trade away first round picks for guys who aren't good. Chris Olave is, but that's too much to trade for him. You did it for Marcus Davenport, and it was uh, not a great move. Shout out to Sean Payton for making that good decision right there and seeing something that I didn't see at the senior bowl that year. Um, <clears throat> bottom line on this, I got the Saints covering that one and a half point spread by a hook wrong. I had minus four on that because I had a confidence level of four. Uh, the under was correct. Uh, I had a confidence level of seven on that, so I got plus three on this game. The Saints lost 20 to 10 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they just, meh. The Saints are just meh. They're going to be mad until they get rid of this coaching staff, especially the head coach. Moving on to the game of the week. I'm not going to go with the game of the year and all this stuff that people say because there's always a game of the year when the Chiefs played against the Bills. It was the game of the year, and it came down to the last second play, and then you had to... What other games were like that? Oh my goodness, everyone was so entertained about the Chiefs playing against the Bucks, and then an uh, entertaining game that ended late on a last-second field goal. You had the, the Ravens and the Bills, and this one is an excellent game. But there might be another game of the year coming along. But for now, let's go ahead and enjoy this one that was definitely the, at least the game of the week. Minnesota Vikings at the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so let's jump in. We didn't know if Josh Allen was going to play or not. One of the things that I thought was going to happen was they're not going to play him. I thought the Vikings were better than people were saying they were. I did not think they were a top five team, but definitely top ten. I mean, you don't win all these games unless you're good. Okay, what you're saying, especially when they're one-score games, we just talked about that with the Titans. Maybe there's something to it. It's not just luck. Um, but I had the Vikings winning by four. I thought Case Keenum would start. Even if Josh Allen that was compromised started, I felt good about the Minnesota Vikings being in this game. Maybe not winning, but being in this game at least. Okay. Um, the line was Buffalo by minus three and a half. Well, Minnesota Vikings ended up winning this one straight up. And I'm glad that they won because of what happened later. And before you get my mentions, Bills fans, it's less to do with you than it is to do with the game of football and the referees that were calling it from the booth. The person in the booth did not buzz down on that Gabe Davis play. Again, it could have been the Saints having it happen. I'd have been pissed off for the other team if we ended up winning a game where that type of play shouldn't have happened, man. That, that one was easy to see or at least buzz down to because it's a critical play, right? And it wasn't like the clock was running and you gave a stop. The clock stopped then. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it was just it was just all bad. But the Minnesota Vikings won in overtime, 33-30. to 30. Um, Like I said, I had Minnesota winning outright, so I had them covering. I got seven points on that one. And then the over hitting. I had the over by a hook, so I only gave a conference level of two. 
The over hit by a crap ton. It was 43 and a half. 63 total points were scored. Excuse me. So I got nine points on this game. Just to quickly talk about this, I and my group discussed this, and I thought that they were going to figure out the formula. Hey, Buffalo Bills, and this happens. This happens to each team. It happens to all all players and teams, and this is what I think is going to happen to Buffalo this year. I still think the Buffalo Bills will not win the Super Bowl this year. They remind me a lot of kind of what the Kansas City Chiefs were last year. If you remember, not the turnovers that led them to a three and four start, definitely not the blowout losses, but they're losing these games and they lost their identity. They're too Josh Allen centric. And I don't care if you're Patrick Mahomes, who is the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't care if you're Lamar Jackson, who is the last and only one of two unanimous MVPs. I don't care if you're the first unanimous MVP, Tom Brady, back in 2012. You can't put this much on a person's plate consistently and then not have a changeup. This team should look, with all the pieces it has, like this year's Kansas City Chiefs. Like It almost feels like Buffalo is like a poor but bizarrely good version of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. They're like a step behind. Like they're 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 in the country, and like the new song comes out in the city, and the country doesn't get it until later. Run the damn ball! Like this is the perfect week for you to come out structured to run the ball. Whatever cool run plays you have, or any again 12, 22, uh, 21 sets, thirteen personnel, anything where you can get more big bodies on the field, you should have done that to Minnesota and bludgeon them. You should have done that. And early on, it looked like, because I was peeking out the corner of my eye because I was trying to watch that game and the Kansas City and uh, Jaguars game. And honestly, that one seemed more important to me. I didn't realize what I was missing until I had to just focus on the other one. But man, yo, Devin Singletary came out. You were giving him the ball. And then you said, Josh is fine. Ken Dorsey, stop trying to relive the, the golden days. And I know you're a psycho. Trust me, I am too. But... You are the problem right now, man. You're calling these plays. I don't care. Wave Josh Allen off. <clears throat> if Josh Allen wants to alter the plays, which I don't think he's doing, then that's the issue. But I think right now you're just calling up. You're calling games poorly. You're not doing a good job to protect your quarterback. Period. This is a perfect game for you to mix in anything that was cool in the run game that you have. Or at least physically dominate a team so teams say Buffalo legit other than their quarterback is a physically dominating team Buffalo feels finesse Buffalo feels soft and you ask anyone from Western New York how they want to be portrayed and seen it is not finesse and soft okay so Ken Dorsey start doing your job protect the dude and if you had Tom Brady Understandable that you might get overridden sometimes. See Byron Leftwich and why I said that Byron Leftwich isn't the issue like some people say in Tampa. But you specifically had a young quarterback and you're trying to prove points. And you should know better than anyone that that's not what Josh Allen needs to be at this stage of his career. Josh Allen needs to be special when you need special. But when you don't, just be basic as hell, man. <clears throat> so I got plus nine on that game. Yay, got it right. Uh, moving on to a divisional matchup, we have the Lions and the Bears in Chicago. Basically, I'll put it like this. I thought the Bears were going to win this game. I thought that they were the better team in a lot of ways. They looked like it for the majority of the game. 
They were up. And I thought they were winning 28-20. They ended up losing 31-30. And part of it was, hell, it's the gift and the curse, right? For all of you all who like Josh Allen, you should like this guy, Justin Fields, too. They got a lot of similarities as far as they come with the gift and the curse. He is cursed with being probably the best player on the field whenever he walks on the field. Josh Allen's probably had that curse before in the NFL, too. So, yeah, Justin Fields did some stuff in the game where I'm like, yo, you can't do that, man. But in general, for the how he's played the last month, you get passes on some of those things, like that throw to Cole Komet. You know why he had the opportunity to make that? Because there's like three people in the entire NFL who could make that happen. And I've named them before. You want to go through the names real quick? It might look differently doing it, but and there might be a fourth in Philly, but Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes are the only other three people who can make that play. Basically spin out, boop, boop, get out, make people look silly, and then throw a ball to a dude who is open, but he overshot. Okay? And that happens, and it was a pick six. Turn the tide of the game, things look different, and then Justin Fields put that Justin Fields on him. But I got this game super wrong. I had the Bears covering the three-point spread. They did not, so I got minus eight on that. I was pretty confident on it, and it looked good for a large portion of this game, but didn't come to fruition. And I also had the under on 48 and a half. This ended up going bonkers uh, once that pick six and then the Justin Fields run happened. That's a lot of points in a very short span of time. And so I got negative three on that. So I got minus 11 in this game, but here's my takeaway from the game real quick. The Lions are the Lions. I'm actually glad that they're getting these Ws up because again, I like Dan Campbell. I like what he's trying to do. And I think the Lions have a talented roster. It made me sad that Dan Campbell was probably going to be out because they were losing games like this. Now they're winning those games. When you do it in year one, it's okay. It's justifiable. Year two, it's not justifiable unless it's mixed in with some good things, especially when you have as much talent as they've been able to bring in on the offensive side of the ball. But getting back-to-back wins in division, one against the Packers and one against a Bears team that looked kind of hot, those are big wins. Now you can afford yourself some some close losses, things like that. So kudos to them. And I think the Bears finally found something. They know what they're doing now. They're comfortable with what Justin Fields is. Hopefully they continue to nurture that. He will eventually become a more consistent passer from the pocket. But guess what? Until then, let that dude ball. Good Lord. All right, so negative 11 on that game. Remember how I talked about the Titans? Nashville's finest hosted the Denver Broncos. <clears throat> I had the Titans winning this one in a close one, 19-16. I just felt like this was one of those games where you get both defenses punching the opposing offense in the mouth, but which offense would punch back? Give me the, the one with the dude who is basically not a real human and a freight chain of a man in Derrick Henry. Um, Titans were three-point favorites, so technically I took the push. Although I wanted to take the Titans, I was hoping it was like a two-point favorite or something like that. Um, in this particular situation. But the push there. But I got plus five on the under hitting. This just felt like an under game. The over-under was 38 points, which is pretty low. But they only combined for 27 points. So uh, didn't even get close to the to, to the over-under. Uh, so I got plus five. Again, I'm really good with the Titans. Again, consistency is weird, right? Lord, I will. Oh, being a fan of teams like the Titans must be really cool. It used to be cool to be a fan of the Saints when we were consistent as hell also. But anyway gonna move on there's not much to glean from this game jerry judy went down with a foot injury we'll hope it's not as serious as it initially looked in fact the reports are it's not so we'll see how that comes up in general i mean denver looks broken 
Nathaniel Hackett will get another year, I'm sure, at least the start of another year. But they got to fix some stuff in the offseason, including removing every play from the playbook that has an in-breaking route under 15 yards or, hell, 20 yards for Russell Wilson. Them shits are cashed. Like, just don't even, why, uh, why, why even have them in the playbook? Good Lord. All right, moving on to the game that I said I was watching as a main game on one of my TVs was the Chiefs hosting the Jaguars. Now, I had a really good feeling about this game as far as both teams would be able to move the ball, especially the Chiefs, which will cause the Jags to try to keep up. And even though this game will end in a close fashion, it will feel like there's no point in time where the Jags are really, really challenging the Chiefs. And then Doug Peterson went full Doug Peterson and said, man, man b- b- bump them kicks off to them. And onside kicked and won the onside kick. So they got the ball to start both halves. Good Lord. And I'm sitting here like, okay, this is cool because if they score, that over is definitely hitting. Well, guess what the hell happened? It damn sure didn't score. You know why? Because that's what the Jags did all damn day. The Jags felt like they were going to move the ball and then didn't. Chiefs did whatever the hell they wanted to with two fewer possessions promised to them. They ended up saying bump it and got them possessions back and made some light of it. So I had the Jags covering a nine-point spread because, again, I thought the Jags would score late, keep this thing moving. So I had five points on it. I got minus five because they ended up losing by 10. The Jags just never could get in the end zone and sometimes couldn't even get close to it. Um, The over-under was 50 and a half points. I had a pretty stout over because I had 63 combined points. So I had seven points as as, as a confidence level on it. Well, give me minus seven because they only combined 44 points. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs held up to mostly their end of the bargain. Um, But yikes. And there are some things I want to go over in this game. So um, I don't know what the NFL is really doing um, with some of this stuff. Like you, you don't even flag. Andre Cisco for hitting a dude in the head and Juju, but you eject Drake Greenlaw for not really hitting Justin Herbert in the head. Now, both left the game. One clearly shouldn't have come back. The other looked like he was fine. But if you eject someone for something that's so egregious as a head to like a contact to the head, how is he going to be fine? I, I'm just, I'm confused by this. Obviously, there's, that's not a one-to-one. It's not binary in, in nature, right? Oh, guy hits someone hard enough to be ejected in the head. He has to leave and never come back. That's not what this is, but it just didn't feel right. And those, the Cisco hit the first one against Juju didn't feel right either. The one against Marcus Valdez, saying like, ah, whatever. This game just the NFL seems to be kind of odd on how they judge stuff, and they they want to use the NFL's full of crap. <laughs> okay, I just I'll get it out the way. When it comes to how they want to assess the game, if you play quarterback, no matter where you are, unless you look a certain way, and yes, I'm specifically saying a person that looks like Lamar Jackson, you can't be hit. Literally, because again, Justin Herbert, that's not a foul to me at all, at all, at all, because. Culpability is a thing. If I go to launch and I'm now in the air and you put your damn face in the way, then yeah, um, screw you. See how you want to see it. But 
One dude legit hit the dude in the head. The other dude and, and targeted his head. Sorry, but he did. Uh, the other dude, well, he actually probably targeted his back, but on an upward trajectory. The other dude went in front of himself while the guy dropped down because he got hit in the back and it changed the target. And that's a little bit different. <clears throat> anyway. That's all I got to say for that game, man. <laughs> I'm going to get upset when I start thinking about how things are refereed. And I sit, I sit there and watch them. And, I mean, bring things full circle. I'm just going to tell you about something that you might not care about. But it's cool to uh, look up if you want to. Uh, Deadspin put out a little piece of software back in, I believe it was like 2011. 2012, and what it did is it took newspaper or it took uh, articles written about players, and it took articles written about players, and based on whether they were black or white, whatever you're comfortable with, let's go with person of color and person uh, non-person of color, or POC and non-POC. But honestly, I don't care if you're uncomfortable. Black players and white players, and you got to type in a word and see how many times or percentages it was used in articles about black people versus white people so things like raw athletic um yeah those are like 90 something percent about black people uh when you a student of the game or like um because you could put in phrases too or uh intellectual or uh studious uh it was like 85 90 percent white why am i saying this right because when People like myself would call these things out. People say, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, damn computer's calling it out four to one. Maybe, just maybe, there's a problem. Why I'm saying the things I'm saying is I have a problem with how the game is refereed with respect to quarterbacks because the NFL wants to lie about it and say, we don't do things differently for different players. I, you're in the... And if you're in the pocket, you're a quarterback, but when you're out of the pocket, some quarterbacks still get the benefit of the doubt, even though now they're supposed to be an actual runner. Just don't be full of shit. And that's the bottom line for me, is I see it, and I'm blessed and cursed with the memory that I have, and it's very frustrating. Good Lord. Um, Let's move on to the rest of these games, because, um, yeah. Let's move on to the rest of the games. Um, this one got on my nerves. It was the Browns at the Dolphins. Uh, the Browns are a team that I've gotten wrong quite a bit as well. Um, and they came out early. Seemed like they were going to punch the Dolphins in the mouth. I expected this to be a physical game. And the Dolphins actually brought the physical to the Browns, which was very concerning when you're built off of being physical. Right? All you know are the Eastern teams. You probably should get upset with your teams when you're all about the still belt and physical and all that and I'm not even questioning it. I believe that about the Pittsburghs and the Clevelands and the Buffaloes and the Phillies of the of the world which damn teams, some of them not all of them, come out and soft tissue paper. Browns wow wow I had the Browns winning this one 21-24. I thought the Dolphins would kind of get pushed around uh, this week and was completely wrong. Uh, it went the other way wow just wow. Um, Dolphins were three and a half point favorites. I had a confidence level of eight. I thought the Cleveland Browns again would push them around. And that half point, I was like, if Miami does win, it'll be a close one. They win by three. You get that backdoor cover. There's some foolishness. And it wasn't even close. Miami destroyed them after the Cleveland went up seven nothing. 
39 to 17, pushed them around. Good Lord. So minus eight on that. And then the over under of 49, I felt was pretty apropos. So I gave it a conference level of five coin toss, but it wasn't even uh, 56 combined points on this. So the over hit. So I lost five points there. Minus 13. Good goodness. All right. Texas and the Giants. This game went pretty much standard. I thought the Giants would win a close game against the Texans. Both teams like to play close to the vest. The Giants are another one of those teams that are winning these close games week after week. Uh, I had the Giants winning 20-13. to 13. The final score was 24-16 Giants. Uh, Giants were four and a half point favorites, so they covered that. I got plus six on that. And the over-under was 40.5. I had the under with a confidence level of seven. Or no, confidence level of five. Sorry about that. Um, I remember distinctly because this was a spread difference of seven and a half saying that five was good because I could see something weird happening where you get the Giants being up in the Texas score late and end up killing that so I didn't want to go too high on it well it almost hit um the under did come in which I had the under so plus five but the over under was 40.5 they combined for 40 points good lord that hook all right so let's move on to the 4 p.m. games. We have the Colts at the Raiders. I really do not want to talk about the Raiders other than to say I think Derek Carr in my gut wasn't talking about most of the players in his locker room. I think he was talking about uh, some of the people who hold clipboards. That's just me. But I had the Raiders winning this one 27-16. I thought that the guys would play hard for Jeff Saturday, but the, Raven, the Raiders would bow up in the red zone, especially since their offensive line was in shambles, and hold them to three field goals. Well, instead... They just let Jonathan Taylor go off. My fantasy team was happy about that. I'm happy for Jonathan Taylor and honestly for the Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday. Uh, but the, the Raiders are just a dumpster fire of a situation and organization. And for those of, peop- of those people who, uh, those of you who say, because I heard it on, uh, I think it was around the horn earlier, these guys all just have money. Man, some of these teams, their owners aren't just like the richest people on the planet. Like, uh, Mike Brown, like the owner of the of the Cincinnati Bengals, he's not like walking around with like $13 billion like the owner of the, the Los Angeles Rams. No, no, no. Same thing with Mark Davis. Mark Davis isn't Mark Davis is kind of like one of the buses. What he does and what they do in general is the team. So he doesn't have just millions and millions of dollars to pay off John Gruden. Shouldn't have given him that contract anyway. And then to then hire the guy that they hired second, who made more sense to hire than John Gruden, but that's not a statement that's a good one. Doesn't mean it was a great hire. Uh, so they can't really fire him. You know who they can fire? The quarterback and the pieces on the team. And give this guy a chance so that the money doesn't have to go somewhere else, out the back door. So that's the only reason that they're defending Josh McDaniels, because to be candid, I think this leans more towards the coaching staff, especially the head of the snake, than it does towards the players. That's just my opinion. Watching how teams and players respond when you have coaching changes and adjustments. Look how the Panthers have responded. That looks like a different team, and it has less talent. Okay? So, I mean, it's a one-game sample, but look how the Colts responded to Jeff Saturday. The message was stale with Frank Wright. He didn't do anything specifically wrong other than bringing in a dude who honestly is not likable. Not a bad person, but not likable. Another locker room doesn't like him. Look look what's happening in D.C. Anyway, Raiders didn't hold up. I thought they went by 11. They were four and a half point favorites. I had a conference level of nine on it. And I said, because they're the Raiders, I can't give it a lock of the week because Raiders. 
So I lost nine points on that. You know why? Because Raiders. Um, 41 and a half. I had the over on this and the over hit 45 combined points. I had a conference level three on that because I was really close to the over under. Uh, but I got three points back, so minus six. All right. So the game of the week, the Cowboys at the Packers. You know, they had to sell it. You know, 1960-something. I mean, not really the best time to sell on national TV, but whatever. Uh, there's worse ones. But I had the Cowboys win a close one. Uh, I had the Cowboys win in 21-17. I thought that the Packers would play tough and aggressive. And the Cowboys led by 14. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And then the bottom fell out. Fell out. And for those of you all who want to land base Dak, look, I'm going to just say it like this and get it out of the way. Dak is not playing well. Okay. Sit here and tell me that Aaron Rodgers played better than Dak Prescott. And if you want to use this one-game sample, fine. But go look at the season in its totality. He is not. All right. Go tell me that Tom Brady's playing way better than Dak Prescott. I think he's making better decisions. But he's not really lighting the world on fire. I'm just driving at this. Dak Prescott, in my opinion, at this stage of their careers, is probably the 12th or 13th best quarterback in the NFL. That's my opinion. I don't have a list in front of me. And honestly, I don't give a shit to have a list in front of me. Because if you have a guy who can even sniff top 10, right? Guy who can play up to being like the 6th, 7th, or 8th best quarterback in the NFL for a month stretch. I don't think he'll play like the best quarterback in the NFL because, again, Patrick Mahomes. Um, But maybe even as high as 3 or 4. He's going to have some games where he plays like the 16th, 17th, 18th, 20th, 25th best quarterback in the NFL. You just hope the stretch isn't longer than a month. Even Patrick Mahomes looked like a bum for a month last year. And that's Patrick Dan Mahomes. I think the game was on deck at about 20%. I think the game was on the defense by about 30%. And the game was on the coaching staff by about 50%. Listen, once things start going bad and going south, you're up by 14, turnover. Now you're only up by seven. Okay. Throw something innovative out there. All right. Get the ball back after an issue, like punt. All right, throw something innovative out there. Wait a minute. Now they scored. Now it's tied. And it's, you just didn't look clean. And yes, I know that you got hosed on that pass interference missed call. But you didn't look clean. And that's been the problem. Like, it's been kind of the operations. Like, the, the, the way the machine runs isn't clean with you all. And that's what we saw in this game. And that's why they had to come back. But saying Dak Prescott's the problem. I think he's contributing to the issue, but part of the issue is also stop treating Dak Prescott like he's something that he's not. Dak Prescott is not. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, or even Kyler Murray, where the offenses, the first three I named, the offenses are them-centric, but they're better players than him. And that's, if you think that's shade for me to say that Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, or Patrick Mahomes is better than Dak Prescott. Cool. We just see the football game differently. Cool. But yeah, I mean, if you treat Dak Prescott like he's better than Kirk Cousins, if you treat him like he's better than Geno Smith, if you treat him like he is better than Derek Carr, we're good. Just don't treat him like he is the three dudes that I said. And it feels like the Cowboys, to justify the money they paid him, are trying to treat him like that sometimes. He's just not that dude. Dak is at his best when he's able to make 
timely plays late in the game when you need them. That, to me, is a different version of Russell Wilson. Yes, I believe Russell is a little better than Dak, but I also think Dak's more likable than Russell was, apparently. So, treat him like a different version of Russ. I think you'll get the best out of Dak. Um, Cowboys, uh, let's see. I had the Packers covering. Technically, they won. So, and by half points, only four points. So, I got plus four. I'm minus seven because I had the under on that 43. I felt pretty confident about it. And then, you know, things happen. So, 59 combined points. I'm minus seven on it. I'm minus seven, so it's minus three for the game. Moving on to the next 4 p.m. slotted game. We have the Cardinals uh, against the Rams at the Rams. Even with the quarterback issues, I just liked, I put it like this. The only way that I thought the Rams were going to win this game is if Matthew Stafford played and Kyler Murray didn't. Um, if you had both of them playing, I thought this was a game where the the Cardinals would actually get it done. I thought that the Cardinals probably still had a chance, but I would have picked the Rams if Stafford was playing, just for consistency purposes. And Colt McCoy is a professional quarterback. If you know, you know. So they got the job done. I had them winning 22 to 16, um, and they won 27 to 17. Uh, the Rams were one and a half point favorites at a conference level of seven because I thought the Cardinals went straight up and they did. So plus seven for me. The under was over under was 40.5. I had the under uh, with a conference level of five on it. Again, a coin toss. The over went and not by a lot. The under for me was uh, two, and a half point, two and a half points under. The over hit by three and a half points. So it's not like it was a big game. It looked pretty much like the game was supposed to be. And that something doesn't sit right with me with that Cooper Cup uh, injury. I didn't like the way the safety came in. I need to see it again, but the angles they kept showing, it didn't look like he was making a play on the ball. And unless he fell and like fell and was trying to scramble to like get in the way because he thought the catch would be made, there's no reason to go that low. It just didn't feel right. It 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 it, it didn't feel kosher to me. I'm gonna have to see it again. I'm gonna have to look this clip up after because I saw it on uh some of the four-letter network uh shows earlier and I was like, that didn't look right. But no one's making a big fuss about it, so it might not have been dirty, but it just didn't look right from the angles it kept showing. So I just want to see if something happened to affect that guy and how he came in, because it did not look right. Um, <clears throat> so minus five on that, so I got plus two in that game. And now we have the two primetime games. We're going to start with the first one that I got wrong. The Chargers were at the 49ers. I expected the 49ers to come out and look clean. And honestly, early in that game, that defense looked like they were stupid. And we all know that they're not. We know that they're really good. They just look confused. And it wasn't like confused because they had to drop off like it was exchanges on stuff. It honestly looked like they were playing different coverages in some points. Like maybe, maybe on one side, they were trying to play a cover six. And maybe on one side of the field where it was supposed to be the, the cover four. One of the guys thought it was a cover two being played over there and didn't get his depth. And then all of a sudden you saw a corner route for a touchdown. It just it just looked weird and silly. Like it really looked weird and silly early in the game and then they got things together. And for the, the Chiefs, I mean the, the Chargers, sorry about that. More of the same. I mean, we've talked about it. I think Justin Herbert is a one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. I understand from a visual standpoint what people see those a freaking hose pipe out there. And it looks really nice coming out of his hands. But just because you got a Madden create a quarterback doesn't mean that he's doing create a quarterback things. Like, I need to see more from Justin Herbert in the moments that matter. And this was a game where they could have won and in some respects should have won. 
the defensive captain got tossed in the game. Like, it just, it, I don't know. I got to see it from Justin Herbert. You all asked for Lamar Jackson to show it. Well, he's shown more than Justin Herbert's gotten close to showing, other than looking the part. And I mean, not from a visual, he's a non-person of color thing. I mean, literally, I understand. The old guard loves a guy like that. Even the new guard loves a guy like that. The dude got the skills, but it's just, I didn't see it come together on the field. Um, I had the uh, 49ers winning this one 24 to 14. That's a 10 point spread on the 49ers being seven point favorites. I had a conference level of eight. I thought the 49ers would come out and at worst win a low scoring game, but by 10. At best, I thought that they might wash the Chargers. And that did not happen. Uh, the Chargers came out and gave them a game. They ended up losing by only six, so didn't cover. So minus eight. The over under was 45.5. Again, I thought there was a chance for the Chargers to score single digits in this one. Uh, but again, 49ers let up the amount of points I thought they would. But that's why I had the under with a compass level of 7, 45.5. And that's what happened. Um, I had 38 combined points on mine. They ended up with 38 combined points. Good stuff. Um, so I got a minus one on that. And then we had last night's game. Uh, the Monday Night Football game that was Commanders of the Eagles. We discussed this. I felt like this was going to be a real game. I said this team would give the Eagles an issue and a problem because of how their defensive line is active up front. The Eagles' offensive line is a good one, but that oh, their defensive line is also good. So it would be a great matchup. I had the Eagles winning a close one, 21-18. I thought the, the Commanders would give them some. Um, the type of thing where the Commanders would score late, get themselves in the game, go for two, get it. And then, you know, not get the onside kick. That type of situation. More of a gameplay between the twenty, the 25s or 30s, right? And in some respects, it was, except there was a big difference. One team was super, super, super inefficient, but continued to run and pound the ball. That was the Washington Commanders. And the reason that they did it is because you had uncharacteristic turnovers from this Philadelphia Eagles uh, unit. The Jalen Hurts pass that got picked off, honestly... Really good play by the safety. Uh, I think it was a good pass by Jalen Hurts. I think that A.J. Brown bobbled the ball, and then it was picked off by the safety. That happens. It'd be different if it was an egregiously bad pass, a bad read, something like that. In most scenarios, A.J. Brown catches that without the bobble, ends up getting tackled, and it's a big play. So uh, Jalen Hurts had some uh, moments that I think the Jalen Hurts uh, attackers would point to as negative, but honestly, keep forgetting this dude is younger than Kenny Pickett. It's not like he's 30 years old and has been in the league forever and been in the playoffs four times and all that stuff. No, the dude had some moments that young quarterbacks have. Guess what? Few and far between. He made plays happen. A zero with the spy, got it out to Devonta Smith. Smith made a man miss, got the end zone. Not many quarterbacks can do it. It's a handful of them who can and then you had just uncharacteristic fumbles and drops. You just had kind of, it felt like one of those, I, I never am a believer in this. I'm going to get this out of the way. I'm never a believer and you just got to get one loss out of there and, and it'll fix your problems. And it, No, that's that's what losers think. You know why losers think like that? Because they don't like pressure. Bump that. Give me all the pressure. I love that stuff. Give me some smoke. Trust me. That's how I operate. I want pressure. You know why? I put more pressure on myself than you could ever put on me. Okay, because I'm a damn winner. And that's why I don't believe in that crap. What I will say is 
due to the fact that there are some people who do believe in that and subscribe to it. You can't have everyone thinking the same way as me. But also, it does alleviate some pressure. I will say that. The way that they played actually was good for them from the following perspective. They played one of their sloppiest games all year. They played a game where they made egregious mistakes and also just some silly ones like Quez Watkins. He didn't really do anything wrong. Dude caught the ball. Try to get up and make a score happen. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. It's just an unlucky situation. Maybe, maybe you tell him hold it with two hands. But honestly, when a dude runs a four damn two, you want him to just get up and get out. He didn't expect that to happen. So, and then the Brandon Graham thing late, which we can argue over all day. Yes, correctly called. But I think we need to start to bring more of this uh, into a situation where it's like, was that malicious? And uh, looking at it, honestly, I think that rule needs to be changed to the following because. No one expects someone to go down. Like that's almost like the Kenny Pickett when he fake slides and dudes like pull off. Brandon Graham didn't think that Taylor Heineke was gonna do that. And at the like, he's like, oh crap, I gotta go hit him now and not hit him. Like I have to go touch him to make sure he's down. Like that's what he's thinking in his mind. Like, oh, he fell down. He didn't think he really just took a knee. Oh, and I also heard this whistle. Let me slow down my 300 pound body and make this happen. No, I'm telling you what I think happened in his brain. I think he went, I got to get to the quarterback. Oh, he slipped down. I got to go touch him or he's not down, not realizing he gave himself up, therefore causing the penalty. Was it the right call based on the rules? Yeah, but maybe revisit the rule on something like that because that just didn't, it didn't sit right with me to lose the game like that on a play where he was trying not to hurt the other player. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't going to, like, put some pepper on him or anything like that. It just didn't sit right with me. Anyway, um, the Eagles were 11-point favorites. I told you that was way too much, so I had a confidence level of 6 on that, and I was correct on it. But the over-under of 44, I had the under on it because I had a combined score of 39. Um, the over-hit on it, especially late for some people, depending on how it was bet up. Um, that would have definitely pissed me off if I got it somewhere like a teased up to 48 and I got it at 47 and the game's about to be over. And of course, the dumbest play in the playbook, and I know people say, well, they got to try to win something. Come up with something different. Like, even if you do like a, a hook and ladder with like some sort of odd play set, like you run, you got to have something, right? Maybe you, maybe you do the following before this, because this show is running long. Maybe you have a dude run full speed right? Like your backup quarterback or whoever. And you put a wall out. Like you do like the little Emory set where you have multiple uh, linemen outside. Like make them like tight ends or your most athletic linemen. Let them get down the field. And they keep just cleaning people out. Boom. Boom. They love to go hit people, right? Cool. The first one is a handoff. So the dude just jet sweeps and he throws back all the way across the field. But you have a guy in the middle also who has the other three linemen blocking in front of him. They're just knocking people out. And so you have your fastest guys slash guys who can throw the ball or lateral and make, make something happen, throwing the ball back and forth while big dudes are just cleaning people to F out. Maybe that's a better play than having it thrown and then a dude who has no clue how to do this and has no protection and also weighs a buck 79 ends up throwing the ball on the ground and it gets picked up and scored on. I don't know. So anyway, that one washed out. So like I said, I need to change up the scoring system. It's just making me feel bad and like, ugh. Thursday night game, minus one. Sunday game, minus one. Sunday, 1 p.m. slate, minus 14. 4 p.m. slate, minus seven. Uh, the Sunday, 8 p.m. Uh, night game, 
uh, minus 24 total. And then I washed on the Monday night game for a grand total of 20, minus 24 points. Again, making me feel bad. All right, folks. Well, that was a whole slate of games. I wanted to go over a little make good Monday, get a little cleaner and sharper on this. And also we'll get a better scoring system in place because some of this stuff's just made up because I just kept, that's how some of these shows run. But again, give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. I'll be back tomorrow with uh, Week Side Wednesdays. Hope to have some conversation about uh, college football playoff selection committee, things going on there. And also, obviously, NFL stories, uh, injuries, things that are going on like that. Hope to get a Turf Talk Thursday off this Thursday. And then Friday, hope to get a Fantasy Football Friday back for you. Until then, folks, enjoy what's going on tonight. Enjoy basketball, football, all the stuff. There is a Mac game on, I think, uh, Ball State and Ohio. It's super interesting to watch with no sound on because I feel like I'm watching a high school game. Take care, folks, and enjoy your Wednesday. Damn it, it's not Wednesday, it's Tuesday. All right, peace.